In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. Looking forward to uh, this week's episode because it involves uh, somebody that sent me down a rabbit hole that uh, occupied a good two and a half hours after I was supposed to be asleep. Pete Fry is the goalie mindset guy, and he is our feature interview presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, and uh, just a fascinating uh, conversation between uh, Pete and uh, David Hutchison that goes uh, way back, uh, well, before a lot of you were uh, alive, and uh, his uh, initiations uh, into uh, the world of competitive uh, hockey and uh, and the professional ranks, and now uh, working on the uh, the uh, mental part of the game. So uh, it is a, a journey like no other. As we bring in the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, and Hutch, you dominate this episode. You are all over it. Well, it was great to be able to relieve Woody of some of the uh, the workload there a little bit because he's always the guy working the Rolodex. And I realized that uh, Pete is a guy we've been working with for years and yet somehow hadn't had him on the show. So I was really happy to be able to do that. It worked out coincidentally. It worked out fantastically well because there's a great tie in, as you'll hear, to uh, last week's feature guest, Jeff Glass. And uh, yeah, always just a lot of fun talking to Pete because he's just a bundle of energy and a great guy to chat with, always wants to help everybody. And and it was uh, it was a fun time. Uh, one of the best parts uh, or takeaways from the conversation with Pete is Woody, he really did learn from his own experiences and what he went through. Yeah, I mean, he's it's something he's talked about at some of the... Well, I guess uh, we had that day where we had the one-day clinic with him and the one-day seminar. Um, he talks about that with all the young goaltenders. Like, I mean, he was, and I think a lot of people don't even realize this, like just how promising and highly regarded an up and coming goaltender he was back then. Um, but as he'll be the first to tell you, like this was the part that was lacking. So it's fascinating that he's sort of devoted himself to this and is having success helping others overcome an obstacle that he'd be the first to tell you he wasn't able to, uh, in his career. How much work has he done with you and uh, and your uh, approach to the game? Well, <laughs> clearly can, not much. I was just I was <laughs> I knew that was like on a platter. Like clearly as the mental midget in our little uh trio here, uh the guy most likely to snap sticks and go snaptastic uh in the middle of a game, I need some time with Pete Fry to uh calm myself down within a game. I got to be honest with you, I have had conversations with Pete um outside of hockey uh, in the past little while, um, in the past year, uh, about handling some of the other stresses um, and other uh, mental challenges that I was having. Make jokes about, you know, not being a real strong mindset when it comes to hockey, but, um, you know, it's, we're in an era now where it's okay to admit when you're struggling with your mental health. And I had some of those struggles recently and had some conversations with Pete that helped me sort of just frame things in a different light and get on with my day in a more positive mindset. So it doesn't have to be just goaltending, but um, yeah, I could probably use some help between the pipes too. We'll have to hit him up for that next, but he's just helping me with life for now. So I just want to jump off that uh, a little oh. bit and pull on that thread. Is there anything that you guys have talked about, you and Pete, that might help you in a performance standpoint on the ice? And, and going through uh, a, a stage in, in your goaltending. And, and it, you don't have to be high, super high level to be, able to, uh, to be able to use some of these resources uh, when you're on the ice. You know what? Um, 
a lot of it was, was pretty simple stuff. It was just about focusing uh, attention and and not allowing yourself to. I was getting worked up and overwhelmed by the amount of things that needed to be done, um, and not sort of focusing my energy in a proper proper manner. And I think that you know, even if the advice is as simple as how to refocus mentally so that you can better organize your time, like time management is something that we all need. Whether you're trying to work in your goaltending. Um, you know, the, the amount of time you have committed to goaltending on the ice, off the ice, doing mental training, juggling, uh, doing your, your physical training, uh, goalie sessions, or you're just trying to manage working for NHL.com and in goal magazine, becoming an incorporation and a lot of different things, you know, yeah. you know, my parents' health and some things like that, like being able to compartmentalize things and focus and attack one thing at a time doesn't matter whether it's life or goaltending there's benefits to um how you go about that and uh you know for me sort of starting my day um without devices um as the first thing i hop on and with sort of a you know just sort of getting in the right mindset and focusing myself and again even i used to be a to-do list guy um, but I would end up writing one that was four pages and then be disappointed when I'd only made my way through three things at the end of one day because I'd written out four weeks worth of to-do lists. So again, focusing and, and sort of targeting that energy in a more effective manner, um, whether you're trying to run a business or run a hockey career, uh, has you know there's positives to doing that in a, in a better, better way, better approach. Evidently, my approach of just trying to do it all at all once same time wasn't working I, I there might be something wrong with that approach hutch is laughing because he knows exactly what i'm talking about right now so yeah thanks pete i don't know whether you guys are uh listen to the to the podcast uh, stuff you should know s-y-s-k yes, a little bit they they handle all kinds of crazy different uh subjects one was uh the art of multitasking and is it a real thing and it's not exactly. like this whole uh, mantra that uh, that person's a great multitasker and this person isn't. It, it, it's a it's a total myth. And sounds like that's what you were trying to do. Uh, but Hutch, you're, you're nodding your head like that. You, you can't do anything. You can't do many things as well as you can do one. thing. No, I think I've heard the same stuff. I, I, I love when. I love when we get to listen to experts in the field debunk popular opinion that is just out there. And, uh, and so that particular one was really, really great for me to hear. I mean, I do think there are some people that can shift focus more efficiently than others. Yes. Uh, I am definitely better working on one thing for a long period of time when I really get some flow going and, uh, I don't like having to accomplish five things in one day, but, and there are definitely people who can do that better, but to do multiple things at the same time, I no, no, I just don't, don't think that works very well. And it sounds like Bauer is doing that, uh, with their, with their skates and their blades. Like just focusing on uh, simplifying it and and focusing on like the pro skate. Uh, we we've got uh, some great news coming out of the gear segment with the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for Sports Surrey with the uh, the people over at uh, uh, that great establishment and Cam and Company. Woody. Well, before we get to Cam and before he tells us just how exactly Bauer is changing that focus with their new skate, I believe he called it. I'm looking for. I wrote the quote down. I believe it's he on called, your to do list. It's right underneath item number nine 
of my to-do list. I believe Cam actually said this was the best skate Bauer had, best goalie skate Bauer had ever made. We'll have to listen to the gear re- gear segment here to hear the exact quote, but that's that's how much he liked this new line from Great. Bauer. And so it is I'm a going depu- shopping again. <laughs> it is a departure. Um, they, you know, in terms of the way they're differentiating their lines or not differentiating your lines, but we'll save that for Cam. Uh, and for Hutch, once he hears the gear segment, he'll know he's got to buy a new set set of wheels for, for Hutch Jr. And when he goes to buy that new set, when he goes to get fitted, I know where he's going to go. It's going to go to the hockey shop. Uh, for those of you not blessed enough, or, or in Hutch's case, take a ferry all the way across because he knows it's that good um, to make sure he gets the latest and greatest. You can check them out for everyone else at thehockeyshop.com. Um, they do have all the new lines. Cam can tell you why this new Bauer skate, in his opinion, is the best goalie skate they've ever made. He'll tell us in the segment. He can help you get fitted because they have several fit options. Um, Whether it's the latest, the new gear that's coming out right now for next year or sales on last year's gear, the beauty about Cam and his crew at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com, they'll give you an honest answer. So if last year's model is now on sale and you fit that model, and the upgrades maybe not worth the price difference compared to what's on sale, Cam and his crew will give you that answer honestly. If he's got something in stock that suits whether your young goalie is coming, and I've watched this firsthand, young goalie coming up through the ranks, parents think he needs more protection. Cam go in there, do a fitting, and just be honest. Listen, I could sell you a $1,000 mask right now, but the reality is he doesn't fit it properly. He doesn't necessarily need it. The one you've got works, or this model that we have on sale works just as well. That's why we go to thehockeyshop.com, not just for their expertise on the latest and greatest in goalie equipment, all the new lines they're on top of. They've been on the ice, they've worn it, they've tried it. But their honesty about what fits your game and their knowledge about what you need as a goaltender at various stages of development and the way they're willing to be honest about those conversations, not just try and always sell you the latest and greatest, but present you with all the options. Make sure you check them out if you're able to in person uh, out in Surrey, British Columbia, the outskirts of Vancouver, the suburbs between me and Vancouver, basically. Or if you can't, check them out online at thehockeyshop.com and make sure you stay tuned to the gear segment because Cam's got some great stuff on, like I said, what he calls Bauer's best goalie skate yet. I like thehockeyshop.com. I was on there today. I ordered a new bag some mask harnesses, and a couple of chin cups. I just got a mask it harness. It was awesome. I just got a mask really? harness from, from Cam. I, you know what I like even better than HockeyShop.com? Go to the end of any of the gear segment videos. Cam gives us both his phone numbers. I just yeah. fire Cam and out. Cam, need a mask harness. Send it over. Next morning, it was at the front door. It's awesome. Cam, my personal really? shopper. I think everybody should phone Cam and bug him and ask him for things. I, I enjoy the, uh, the experience on HockeyShop.com because I get to just Peruse. Oh, that, that's uh, incredible. I knew the one item that we absolutely needed. And if I was getting anything, yeah. I'd go over there to have Cam do the fitting for sure, like what he says. But uh, <laughs> I, I just think you know people what? should that, annoy Cam because he's so awesome. Yeah. I'm all about annoying Cam. And unfortunately for this gear segment, as you'll hear, I didn't get to annoy him in person this week because of a little you know, conflict with our scheduling. Um, but I will say on the, on the website, when you check out the hockeyshop.com, don't just go shopping. Check out their reviews. Um, as much as I would like to say InGoal Magazine has the best reviews anywhere, uh, we go a little more in depth, a little more personal opinion. They do a great job with their reviews of laying out what's new with each line, 
what works, what they like, the simple sort of new features. Like in terms of a quick overview of a new line of equipment, they do a really great job with high quality photos um, to let you sort of see and read what each new line is all about. So make sure you listen to the gear segments with us, but check them out online. Uh, they've got more resources there that can help you choose the right product. Oh, what kind of uh, mask harness uh, did you get? That was for what, the what Bauer 960. Oh, so did you get the actual Bauer 960 mask harness? Yes. Okay. Because I, I usually go Nash. Oh, okay. You know what? I mean, but that's the great thing about Cam. I literally said the Bauer 960, the harness is too old. It's all stretched out. Just get me something, please. Oh, good for yeah. you. Less thinking. Uh, he, and you know, wow. see, and the thing is, Cam knows Hodge, so he knows he's kind of bougie like that. So he sent him like the, he sent him the the actual product <laughs> as opposed to, you know, uh, a replacement part. Well, I mean, he kind of did. Like this one's got a Bauer logo on the back. The last one had the NHL logo on the back. So you want to talk bougie? I'm disappointed to not have that one now. Yeah, I know wow. you're gonna, you're going to transfer it, bougie. It cro- crossed my mind. Wow. I, I enjoy just doing the whole cutting and uh, and and so the mask plate is is the back mask plate yep. is visible. I do the whole customization nice. thing. I have some. It turns into a little project for. But the chin cup I went with uh, with the Nash as well. But only, and a lot of it because they can't ship across the border. So okay, uh, some lines can't ship across yep. the border. So I have to go that. But the the actual harness I, I went with nash because i wanted it there you I, go i like the idea of the harness and customizing it darren but they won't let me play with scissors over here <laughs> i don't blame them on that uh you need um you need advanced uh analytics to be able to do that and right now you're still with those uh arts and crafts ones that are that you can't get your full fingers through that don't that can't cut anything work your way up i think you're you're there I've, I've watched you throw a couple of tantrums, and it wouldn't be pretty if there were scissors uh, in in the area. Uh, so we're going to get to Pete Fry in just a little bit, but uh, let's get over to the hockey shop, uh, thehockeyshop.com for our gear segment. Uh, this week uh, featuring the new Bauer Pro Skate. Uh, here is Cam and Woody. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Stores for Sports. Well, sort of this week, we had to do, we had to throw a little change up into the mix here. Um, I am not at the hockey shop for a change. I'm actually over at my in-laws in their basement. And we've got Cam Matwip, who is in the hockey shop in the beautiful goal department, in the goal offices right now. He has his own little separate office down there in the goalie utopia. And we're calling this audible because I was away and... We needed to get the new Bauer Hyperlight skate on the show ASAP before I could get back to the mainland. We didn't have an opportunity to record it before I left, but Cam has this hot little number in his hands. So we're going to try something different this week. We are going to do a remote hit and then we'll catch up for the video. We might try and share the Zoom for those of you who have gotten accustomed to seeing the product on the simulcast but we'll be in the shop on Monday morning to record everything in person and sort of redo this for video. Cam, how are you doing? How's the Zoom working for you so far? I, I'm good. I already have a couple points to make here. So first of all, not called the Hyperlight Skate. Uh, incorrect. So we are called... This is what, this is what happens. This is the uh, Bauer Pro Elite and GSM. Um, completely new line. So Hyperlight uh, does not carry over 
Um, this is similar following in line with what uh, they've done with uh, mid-level chest and entry-level chest, and also the entire pant line with calling it Pro Elite and GSX. So that caps that off. Now to answer your question, this whole Zoom thing is definitely a little bit interesting, definitely a first time for us doing this. Um, seeing you without a hat, I think, is something that everyone should experience at some point right now. So um, hopefully we do get this posted up. Um, for those that don't end up seeing it, it is kind of like a mop um, with glasses. Well, we'll call it that. At least he's he's owning the flow, which is good. But uh, let's uh, let's get to let's get to why everyone's here to come check out these skates. Well, they, they they launch with the launch of this podcast on Friday, uh, June twenty fifth. So you've already corrected me on the name. I'm not going to bother with any of the features. You tell me. Show me the skate. Tell me what's new. I know you've got a demo skate there that sort of highlights some of the callouts as well as what's going to appear on the line. Maybe show that to the audience through the. For those that are going to follow along on Zoom and for everybody who's listening, start describing it in your best audio detail account. The best audio detail account. So we have the new Bauer Pro Skate, brand new for 2021. What's important? Why is this cool? And why is this, in my opinion, the best cool skate that Bauer's ever come out with? So again, changing up the nomenclature from Supreme and Vapor. So it obviously means the sandwiching of their two lines. So um, a lot of what's happened over the past couple of years is that a new skate would come out regardless of it being Vapor Supreme, and the customer base would go to that new skate regardless of fit. So kind of realizing that and thinking of a way to kind of streamline it, like something they've done actually up with their player skates, they brought that down into the goaltending department. So now within this Bauer Pro Skate, you get three options for a fit. You got a fit one, a fit two, and a fit three. Fit two and three is something we're already quite experienced with as a fit two would be more like a D-Wit skate that's currently out on the market and a fit three a lot like a double E skate. So more of that supreme deep fit, whereas that fit two a little bit more like your standard vapor fit. Fit one is something we haven't had down in the goal department and is more like a C-Wit skate. So a little bit more narrow, a little less volume inside the skate. So kind of that long, narrow foot would be ideal for that skate. What's kind of cool, again, is sandwiching the two technologies together with, uh, we'll bring over actually an R sample skate here. So this starts to call out uh, a bit more of the sandwiching of the technologies. Bauer's big thing with it, they call it stance flex. So any of these red areas are calling out uh, that vapor flex profile, but the yellow is calling out the supreme stiffness. So what you're going to get about this is that you're going to get that same flex and freedom of motion up front, like on your eyelets. So allowing you to kind of get forward and over top of your stance. However, when you go to go push off, that's where that supreme stiffness comes in, being all down by the outsole of the skate. So you're still getting all that power push as you push off. So the rigidity and the stiffness and the no give at the bottom of the boot where your foot is locked in, but the ability to sort of have a little more flex, which we, you know, we've, we've seen over the years and people have argued is maybe starting to miss from goal skates that, that, that flexibility at the top and through the front of the ankle, that forward pitch. Sounds like they've combined those two uh, into one skate. And I like the idea of no more back and forth between the lines. I'm liking this. Keep going. So again, to even play off that and continue on with that same similar idea, we'll come back to the toe shape in a minute, which we found on the ultrasonic skate. But just to kind of quickly cap off, Bowers introduced a slightly different kind of steel that they're using uh, for this. It's called their Agility Profile LS5G. 
So this is already coming stock with uh, a Blademaster profile on it. It's the SAM profile, which is 105027. So it's a triple profile. What it's going to give the goalie, uh, again, more agility in terms of the way they're pushing. So a little bit more in tune with what I would consider what goalies are looking for out of a skate and out of the profile of their blade as they're pushing around the crease, coming out of uh, RVH, uh, situations like that. So it's already coming stock on the skate itself. Uh, a nice added additional feature, but it's also playing off of that forward stance flex technology. So that, that would about cover it for the pro skate. <laughs> However... As you know, there's two more lines to the skate. Um, so what gets brought down? What does change? Um, the next skate down the line is the Bauer Elite skate, taking over for that 3S Pro and also X2.9 skate. Great value in this skate, especially if you're not willing to bump up to what would be the pro price point. And you're still looking to get a lot of that same features. Stance Flex still exists here and actually gets brought down all the way into that GSX skate, which is the next level down as well. So you get still that kind of uh, agility and stiffness profile that, you know, you're definitely looking for in that pro skate, but still gets brought down to this elite and GSX skate. What does change? The liner itself, which we didn't even really talk about too much on the pro skate, but we can look into that maybe at another time. Just their standard comfort liner, um, still moisture wicking, not as nice as what you would find in the pro skate, but still very high quality. Difference in steel as well. This just has their stock LS. Uh, 3G plus steel. So it still is a stellar steel, still is a high quality stainless steel, but not the exact same as the LS5 and just their stock profile. So no extra radius on the skate at all. So, but of course, if you buy it from the hockey shop and the hockeyshop.com, they've got staff there that uh, led by the brilliant Cecil who can help you put your own custom radius on a skate. Um, something we can maybe get into and revisit again later this summer. Maybe uh, just for a gap, can you show us the Pro Skate Liner and any of the callouts that, that that come with that 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 extra money you're spending to get the Pro Liner? Oh, our skate's a little tight here, so it's kind of hard to open it up. Oh, that's okay. I just enjoy letting people listen to you struggle. <laughs> Pro Comfort Liner, uh, nice, soft, flexible liner, something a little bit different than we haven't seen from Bauer in a little while here. Reminds me a lot of the old Reactor 9000 liner, just in terms of uh, the way the comfort feels on it. Um, same material on the tongue as well. So when you are crouching for, you're not going to have that same, you know, like lace bite rub or anything like that. That same liner, obviously a little bit different when it comes down to that elite level skate. You're still getting all the moisture wicking qualities of it, but you're not getting that nice gray, almost Nash kind of type style foam um, on the inside of it. A little bit less, but a little bit more of your kind of standard belt moisture wicking liner in that sense. Still the fit one, two, and three system with this skate. That does change on the next skate that I'll show you here, and that's the GSF. So this is Bauer's opening price point skate. So taking us down, um, still a comp still has Still has the stance flex, as you said, all the way down to the lowest price point. Correct, still stance flex, still composite boot, not Curve X composite, but still very, very close. So you're still getting a nice stiffness profile out of the skate. That's how they're able to bring that stance flex down. Um, standard felt liner, very brightly choiced felt liner. The fit profile of the skate stock is a little bit similar to the X 2.7 skate, um, just from quick experiences we found. This goes back to the standard D double E conversation as well. So there isn't a fit one, two, and three system here. It's coming stock with LS one G plus. So still a taller steel, but a little less quality in terms of the, the stainless steel that they are using. 
overall, this is your great like entry level rec skate. Bowers made some long strides in terms of you know bringing the quality up at that opening price point, and I think this state's actually quite evident of that. I mean, I'm not going to go play junior hockey in this skate, but if I'm still playing three, four times a week, even at some sort of a competitive level, the skate can still take that of a piece. So nice call out, great option, a little bit more price conscious goalie. You have an option. Walk us through when you talk about price points there. Um, what are the three different price points for this? Start with the GSX, then the Elite, up to the Pro, just so everyone knows. 929 is going to be your senior price point for the Pro Skate in particular. Uh, 569.99 for that Elite Skate. So that's really coming in at a better, uh, bit of a better price than it has been for that like, mid-level Pro-featured Skate. And then your GSX Skate coming in at 269. Again, so a bit of a revamp in terms of their pricing. It's a little bit cloudy on the wall, especially with a lot of sales skates right now. Um, but these skates kind of slide into some of those points that are currently missed within the pricing lineup. Okay. Now, obviously, we've seen the job you do in person when you're fitting somebody for a skate. You get the, you get you bake it in the oven, all those things to get it really wrapped and fitting well. Uh, what about somebody who's shopping online? Can they reach out to you? Is there Are there questions that you ask to try and can you figure out fit one, two, three for somebody that's shopping online versus in person with you at the hockey shop? Now, I will admit, as opposed to past years, this has created something that is a little bit more difficult to figure out online due to that fact. Again, I think your general rule would be if you truly are that wide feet, you have a double escape currently, you know, fit three is definitely going to be what you're looking at. That standard fit two or what we call D width skate should cover the majority of the population. So far, the fits have been fairly consistent. Uh, I haven't noticed too many fit notes yet. However, it's still obviously very early on. I've only had a couple of people trying to skate. So as we get some more experience fitting them up, comparing them up to their other lines um, in terms of fit, feel, and comfort, we can provide more information over the phone um, as we get there. And I would imagine that like that's going to be the important factor. What were you in before? What were you comfortable in before in terms of how those lines translate into this new Bauer skate line? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, you're in a vapor, you know, fit two is probably going to be the first thing you bring out. If you're in an ultrasonic skate and looking for that new pro skate, you know, we might have to look at that fit three right away just because we needed that extra volume inside that skate as well. So. Okay. So if anybody has any questions, where can they get you in person? Because not everybody gets to uh, access you on a Zoom like I do. They can come join me at the Hockey Shop Social Sports in beautiful Surrey, BC, or they can give me a call at 604-589-8299 and those out-of-town customers at 1-800-567-7790. Nice. Thanks, Cam. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Um, this may be an option for you moving forward to avoid having to have me come into the shop and try on all the gloves. I think of the... An entire pandemic and we finally figured it out as we're coming to a close of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you miss me, right? Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Until next week, I think next week we've got the new true skate coming out. So uh, thanks for walking us through the new Bauer line. Still lots more new products to come this summer. Uh, some things that you haven't seen anywhere else before we've got lined up for the next couple of weeks. That's why we come to the hockey shop in person. That's why you should shop at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. Cam, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Cam. If the skate fits, and it certainly does uh, sound like it uh, is right now with the new Bauer approach, and uh, we started this off talking about simplifying and, and getting away from multitasking, and uh, boy, uh, from Bauer, from uh, the retailers, from the consumer, uh, it it all falls into a really easy-to-follow pattern, Woody. 
Yeah, and we've seen this with um, Bauer's done the same thing with their pants. I believe, um, you know, in terms of just a Bauer Pro pant now, as opposed to going back and forth between a Supreme line and a Vapor line. Like, let's just, at the end of the day, what ends up happening quite often, you see it with this skate, like a lot of goalies sort of want to blend the two. And so this is Bauer blending the best of both to create one skate with multiple fit options that'll sort of work for everyone. And, you know, as much as we focus on the pro product, um, I was really, I was really excited about the, the next level down, the elite skate, like a lot of really nice features there. Um, for a mid-price point skate, and then the GSX and other level down, more good features. Really interesting though. Like, what did you think, guys? Like, custom radius built into the pro skate for sort of one of the first times I've seen that, where it's sort of a goalie-specific radius built in. Versus if you go down to the elite level, now you're sort of on your own. It's a stock flat profile, and if you want to have your skate profiled, you take it up to the hockey shop and have Cecil run an edge on it. But um, custom sort of custom goalie radius on a stock skate. I like it. Explain to me how, Hutch, uh, that would impact you. I, I think the concept is that the radius of the skate allows you to move uh, more efficiently as a goaltender in the, in the way that you choose to move. I've seen it much better described uh, in terms of how forwards use their blades on the ice and having a particular mm-hmm. uh, radius for their style of movement. I have not heard it well described for a goaltender as, my, as many times as people have tried for me. Uh, but definitely people prefer a certain uh, pitch in terms of whether forward pitch, backward pitch, and how that affects their movement into and out of a save uh, and around the crease. So you can affect that. I know there are some coaches out there that swear by particular um, particular profiles on skates and how that affects your movement. Um, but I have to be honest, I've never really experienced it well enough to be to be a proponent of one or the other, Woody. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Now, I'm not good enough to really feel it either although you can tell like if it changes the pitch you're going to be able to feel that and i think we we as guys who you know test skates from multiple brands we've seen and felt you know very different pitches like if if a skate is forward pitched versus more neutral and they're all forward pitched to an extent it's just how much for a more neutral skate and then you get into a i mean you feel that difference and you can feel some of that difference on a custom radius and i think the point here is as much as players typically will have one radius throughout the skate. This is multiple different radiuses. And and the best way I can explain it, Darren, is probably like a little flatter radius through the middle and then a little more curve, a little more of a curved radius in the toe and sometimes in the heel. So, you know, if you're just a little bit more of that, say if you're doing that, you're on your knees and you're you're, you're pushing back to the post as a, if you're just doing a straight across push, you grab the middle of the skate. But if you're sort of trying to turn yourself like into an RVH and sort of off the toe of the skate, sort of carve off the toe of the skate, a little more radius. Spin back to the goal line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little more radius will help you sort of grab that edge and kind of that twisting motion that we see off the toe of the skate versus a straight across push with the flat. And so, I mean, that's the concept. And and I may not have explained it very well just there, but um, that and combined with various pitches, like we've been in skates where one, if to me, the hardest one is when you go from a more neutral to a more forward pitch. I remember the like first time going back face. and forth, toe pick, like right away, because yeah. you just felt like you were just going to go over over face first every time. It it just takes some adjustment. When I was younger and I could actually play half decently well, I ran into a really gung-ho skate sharpener in a local rink, and he asked me how I wanted them. I talked about a couple of things. He actually started to put different radius on different segments of the skate for me. 
And this was at a time when we didn't sharpen our skates nearly as much. So he actually went with something with not much in the middle of the skate. And then he actually went with a deeper hollow uh, on the toes and on the heels to help me with my movement around the crease. And I don't think I've met anybody before who's done that. And I took it to another guy and said, here's how, like, cause he actually wrote the different hollows along the blade where he did them. I took him to another shop and the guy looked, looked at me like I had three heads and said he wouldn't do it, but it was a neat concept. So hold on. So the one we're talking about with the Bauer, it does have multiple radiuses at different points. Sorry, across I don't mean radius. I mean hollow. Talk- you're talking about hollow, the edge, like yeah. actual how deep he went in at different that there's, there's a science experiment that's waiting to happen. And I'm, I, I can envision the sharpener at the other place, just having like horrified, like having to check. Cause you have to, you have to dress the stone as a guy who used to sharpen skates in university to help pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be, I would like, I remember at a small mom and pop shop here in Victoria, like you would have to, every time you have to change it and dress the stone, you would have to, Oh, forget about that. You would have been my worst nightmare. I would have kicked you right out of the store. <laughs> it was that's, good fun. Uh, that's got Eddie Belfour written all over it. That's sharpening oh, yeah. his own skates well, too was, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he was way better than me. I liked his story with Pete too, so that'll be fun to hear this week. Uh, yeah, and uh, as far as uh, the different radiuses, uh, when you're in your VH and you spin back to the goal line, a lot of people can do that. It's like using the heel to get out and spin out and... I guess that's where a radius, different radius would really be encouraging you uh, to be able to handle that a little bit easier. That's actually a really good point. And now that you mentioned that, you know, that RVH, like that's where most of us, you're right. Like it's easy to sort of use the yeah. toe to sort of spin yourself back towards the goal line, but it's that push out off the heel and the back of the skate that's more difficult. So now I think, I think we're going to, for us old guys that struggle with that maneuver, yes. I'm going to have to ask Cecil to throw a little custom radius on the back heel and see if it helps the same way I know a custom radius on the toe can be helpful there. This is, right. we, we are making it up as we go here. But Darren you, just, you Woody, that's an article. You probably never go down in the warm up because that's exhausting. One profile for the warm up for balance and then put your game blades Switch on for the actual game where you got to move around the crease, come back to the bench, you're grabbing the new twig and you can be grabbing new blades while you're at it. I mean, it's, it, I mean, these blades are now, e- you know, all easy sort of, you can just pop them in and out. hundred uh, percent. You guys are, mo- I, I realize fully that I'm being mocked right now, but like, I'm starting to think the wheels are turning. The hamsters are starting to spin up there in my brain. Or you got one bad hip. You're going to have to have a different radius for your right post from your left post, depending on how much mobility the old guy has. Yep. Listen, y- you guys make jokes about that, but Hey, Ryan Miller's got I'm one leg slightly longer than the other. He had, he had quarter inch lifts in one of his skate. Yeah, there you go. Why not? I, I think this was just an outstanding brainstorming session. And everybody listening probably did. thinks we're crazy. No, I'm just tired. Send I'm just tired. Let us know what you think about these crazy <laughs> radices. Send us a note podcast at ingolmag.com. Uh, and if you play the puck a lot, I'm sure you might need a different radius uh, and it might help you uh, become a better skater, get in and out uh, around those posts and back in or to the to the back boards or w- wherever you need to uh, get to. But I, I think that there's uh, there's something there when it comes to that uh, that uh, RVH and uh, or VH uh, trying to get down and spin back and forth, because if, if the first time you kind of try that heel spin out from the goal line. It's pretty damn humbling. Very hard.
<laughs> and then you got to catch your breath. And then you got to try it again. Mm-hmm. This, and then you, you got to pull your leg in. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy. Hey, uh, yeah, there's Pete a Fry. lot of young goalies that are listening right now. They're like, these old farts can't do, do anything. Old buggers. <laughs> They've been yeah. doing it since they're yeah. nine. Like, no problem. Yeah. Just stand up. Just yeah. stand up. Uh yeah, uh, or uh, give Pete Fry a call and uh, he'll uh, he'll tell you. Just it's not about that. It's about between the ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, uh, is our feature interview this week. Brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, and uh, Pete Fry. I had no idea, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, moms and dads, and uh, goalies of uh, all uh, calibers, that Pete Fry was as well thought of as an up and coming goaltender. I just know of him as the mindset guy. Yeah. And I went down this rabbit hole when you did this, uh, sent me this conversation. And I was sort of Westernly guy at the time and know a lot of the names that he was talking about. Uh, and the, the, the Brandon shot aside, and I won't hold that against you because Brandon wasn't a very good team that year. So I know uh, that it was a challenge, although it was Pokey Reddick's year and uh, vaulted him into uh, fame. It he had he had a real uh, adventure as a prospect would or a hutch. He had a he had a huge adventure as a prospect, and I think one of the reasons that you probably don't recall Pete as a big up and coming prospect is he's so self deprecating. I mean, Pete goes out of his way to talk about the mistakes he's made along the way and um, his five plus goals against average as a Western league all-star. Uh, he, he puts himself down all the time in that really cute sort of humble way. But beneath that is, is a very knowledgeable guy who can make a real impact. And yeah, he had an incredible journey. I mean, getting called to the principal's office to find out you've been called up and have to hop on a plane to go meet your team in Calgary, uh, at age 15, that's, uh, that's pretty heavy stuff. And, uh, and then, it was a different league back then. I mean, he told us all kinds of incredible stories, both on and off air about, about that journey. So Pete is a guy who's got, uh, you know, a huge well of experience that he's basing this stuff on. I also didn't realize guys that I was probably there for one of his first sessions because he mentions that it was Eli Wilson that brought him into camps to do some work. And I, I know I was at those camps. I just didn't realize that it was, uh, early in his career with this because Pete was so good. I mean, his ability to engage a room, to grab a hold of 15, 20, 30 young goaltenders and, and keep their attention is, uh, is incredible. And it's a lot of fun, uh, everything that he does, but it, you know, it also works. Um, everybody we talk to really, really believes that, that Pete knows the way. He's a bit of a Pied Piper for goaltenders. The, uh, the idea that he gets called up and he can feel shots like right away through his pads yes. and through different equipment like that experience uh uh of transitioning from his level to uh to major junior level and then uh just the the mindset of of different players and the abilities of of different players and being uh going through the success and handling success and how he didn't necessarily the hard hat wearing a hard hat to practice yes. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be a construction worker or do you want to be a, a goaltender there's there's a lot in here before he even talks about the necessarily the the clinical parts of it yeah i i've mentioned before in a few of the interviews that we've had with different people that you hear uh pros today talk about how they learned to be a pro from the people you know who they worked with and it always to a degree it always surprises me uh but you can see in pete and his experience exactly where that comes from 
Uh, if you don't have that guiding hand when you're younger, if you're not coming up in a sort of professional system for young players, uh, you're not taught the way. There's nobody helping you through all that. Um, but at the same time, there's so the way hockey has become such a business today, uh, young people get the opportunity to learn from people uh, at such a young age to be professionals that that's why I think it surprises me now when we hear these stories. But but Pete is a part of that, I think. He's able to bring his past mistakes and share them with goaltenders as young as 8, 9, 10 years old and help them learn from those mistakes so that that they're able to uh, make each of those jumps. And each of those jumps as you move up in a minor hockey career can be increasingly larger. Uh, he helps prepare you so that when you make steps in your career, uh, you're ready to make them. And uh, just going again through Hockey DB, just bouncing around, following his career and look, listening to the interview and then following that team and then checking out uh, uh, Seattle and Victoria and Brandon. And uh, yeah, I, I had a ton of fun. This is a this is a real hoot uh, for me. And then there's the clinical part of it. So let's get into the feature interview presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on In Goal Radio, a podcast. It is David Hutchison with Pete Fry. And uh, this Hutch is a, a real great combination between Sensorina and Pete Fry. And we have to thank our friends at Sensorina for supporting this interview and all the feature interviews we do. It is great, Darren, because Sensorina has this whole cognitive training section, which I know Pete would absolutely love, um, helping you improve the power of your mind for the game. But one of the other things I love about Sensorina, guys, is as we've talked about before, is how they bring out new releases every few months so that they improve the software, uh, give you new things to look forward to as they develop it. They're sharing the new developments for you. And one of the ones in the recent release that came out just over a week ago is they've improved the diagnostic uh, feature of the software. There's a diagnostic routine, a set routine of drills that you go through that allows you to see where your progress is headed, just compare yourself to other goaltenders of your age and, uh, and, oh, and overall. And now what they've done in the newest release, guys, is they've added in a component where at the end of the diagnostic routine, they give you an idea of a specific training routine that you can go through to improve those things that need some work that the diagnostics have have pulled out. So maybe sort of dipping my words, not theirs, but dipping their toes into the world of artificial intelligence so that they can analyze your performance and then give you some specific solutions. And I, I'm sure it's just the beginning uh, with all their different training plans. This is going to really improve your ability as a goaltender. Uh, to train off the ice to 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 have the best game you can on the ice it's just an incredible tool and we thank them for uh supporting in goal in the feature interview this week from ai to uh intelligence of uh the real kind that's uh right between your ears and what you're dealing with it's uh, pete fry the goalie mindset guy his debut on in goal radio the podcast My guest today is Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy. You may know him from the many articles he's written for In Goal over, year, over the years on the mental game or mindset training, as he calls it. We did an exclusive webinar with members of In Goal with Pete. And there have been a lot of times you probably heard him mention on the podcast, yet somehow, Pete, 120 plus episodes into it, uh, you haven't been a guest on the program, but we're fixing it today. Welcome. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was beginning to wonder, Hutch. You never invited me on earlier. <laughs> it's great to be on, and you know I I, I love what you guys do at Ingle. You do such a phenomenal job. I think you're filling a huge void 
in the goalie industry. And I'm just excited to be able to contribute and to be on here with you today. Thank you, Pete, so much. So many of our listeners are going to be familiar with your work, of course. But before we get into that, let's roll the tape way back, back as far as when I played, though not nearly as well as you. Uh, Let's talk about your career as a goaltender. And not everybody is going to know that you were a very successful uh, CHL goaltender in the Western League for five years. You were drafted into the National Hockey League, even dipped your toe in the pro ranks. So let's step back to where we start with many of, of our guests and say, how did you get your start in goal? What age, where, why'd you start? Tell us, tell us the Pete origin story. Sure, great question. I was born in Toronto, the Toronto area. And early on, I started watching my parents having watched Hockey Night in Canada when I was probably four or five years old. I remember standing up for the national anthem and all that good stuff there and watching the series. I think it was Montreal and Boston. My, my hero back then was Ken Dryden. Mine too. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, I remember we were, my dad was, he would, he was an insurance guy and the company he worked for Prudential. We would have these, these yearly trips, these yearly vacations that we would go on. And it was, they were usually in Florida. So we're, we're in Florida and we're staying in a motel. There's motels and hotels back then. And, and it was, I must've been different than National Hockey because the motel that we're staying at, and it was a nice motel. The Montreal Canadiens were staying there and they had just won the Stanley Cup. So I was probably four or five years old. And I remember we're at the pool and there's a whole bunch of Montreal Canadiens there, Henri Richard and guys like that. And so I go up to Henri Richard and, and he's like, oh, you want my autograph and all. And I'm just like, where's Ken Dryden? That's the only <laughs> thing I said to him. Was, where's, where's the rookie? Yeah. A- anyways, so, so I started playing goal. My, my parents registered me at Rexdale Minor Hockey in in ontario so i I played there for i remember my first year playing hockey i i got a trophy for the best goals against average this is kind of ironic i got a trophy for the best goals against average 0.85 i will not wow i will not forget that 0.85 was my goals against average and after that year it was all downhill (laughs) i never achieved that again that was a time i think we were so young that i could almost lie on the ground and the players could could barely flip the puck over top of me that's uh that's awesome so so where did it take you from from toronto because you ended up in the western league so what brought you across the country and where did you play we moved out west my dad got a transfer to vancouver island to victoria and so we moved from toronto to victoria and I remember going to school my first few days in school in, in Victoria and talking to my classmates and, and just expecting hockey, hockey, hockey. And I remember feeling sorry for, for people in my class because not everyone played hockey. It was so different than <laughs> Toronto. In Toronto, everyone played hockey. But in Victoria, there was, they were doing other stuff, a lot, lots of other things to do. First year Bantam, I was in Saanich, and then we moved out to Langford to Juan de Fuca. And so I moved there, made the, made the Bantam rep team. There was a 14-year-old, has some great coaches there, Dave Woodley. And I think Danny uh, was Dave's son. He was both, he and I eventually went and played in Portland of the Western Hockey League. So, at, at, and then here's where things really started, really started to change. When I was 14 years old, my dad, I remember him saying, okay, there's, there's a scout for Victoria Cougars, which is in the Western Hockey League watching you. And he said, he really likes the way that you make decisions on the ice and things like that. So at that point, I started to think, oh, well, maybe I can, maybe I can play in the Western Hockey League. We would go to the odd Victoria 
Victoria Cougars game and watch them play the Portland Winterhawks. And Victoria had great teams back then. They had Grant Fuhr was their goaltender. And I think they went to the Memorial Cup one year. They were pretty close to it. And a lot of great players, Brad Palmer, Barry Peterson. And at 15, I'm first-year midget. At 15 years old, first-year midget, I'm in science class. It's grade 10. And Portland, Portland had listed me a couple months ago. And I remember just a few nights before going and watch the Winterhawks play. And, God, they had a good team. That, that year, they actually won the Memorial Cup. Guys like Cam Neely, who's the president of the, the Boston Bruins. Ray Ferrero, who's now a popular uh, announcer. A lot of really Glenn Wesley. He were like a lot of really, really good players there. Anyways, and so I, I'm in science class. And I get called to the principal's office and I'm thinking, no, not again. I'm going to the principal's office. What's going to happen? What well, I'm going to get in trouble for? We didn't have cell phones back then. And, and I get to the office and so, so hang on. principal's so you, like, you've been to the principal's office a lot then, Pete. Yeah, a few times. I was, <laughs> I used to, I, I was, I used to like to talk a lot. I probably wasn't that focused on the subject like I should have been if I could go through it again. A anyways, and so my dad, my, my dad's on the phone. He's like, Pete, just got a call from the general manager of Portland. They're going to bring you up. I got to come get you right away. We got to go buy you a suit because you have to wear a suit, right? We, I didn't have a suit. So my parents took, my parents are British. Uh, soup, they're super nice people. They took me out, bought me this brown, probably the most boring suit you could ever imagine with, with that brown and light brown tie. Uh, and so then I, I catch the plane and I meet Portland on their Alberta road swing. And they're, they have three games that they're playing, Medicine Hat. Let, Pete, let's just take you back for a second because, because mindset yeah. is your thing. So what's going through your mind when you're 15 years old and you hear, I'm getting called up? I was thinking, oh, this is kind of, because all, all my buddies that I hung around with, and this was the, the one thing that I would change. They were nice people. They were good people. But my, my friends group, they were not athletes. So they were not like-minded people that wanted to have a pro career, whether it's hockey, whether it's baseball, whether it's the Olympics, whatever it is. And my, my buddies were huge Western Hockey League fans. So my first thought was that was cool. And all my friends couldn't believe it. They're like, what? No way. And so that, that's where my mindset was, as opposed to thinking, okay, great. This is, this is meant to be, right? This is, this is what I've trained for. This is what I've prepared for. And so that, that's where my mindset was. I was a little bit freaked out in the sense that I was just watching these guys and I was like, wow, are they ever good? And, and they, they told me when they called me, don't worry, you're, you're not going to go in. You're not going to play. You're just, we're just going to pick you up. You're going to sit on the bench and watch. That's it. Cause their other goalie just got hurt. Foreshadow. Yes. Foreshadow. <laughs> and so they fly me. I think they picked me up at the Calgary airport. And I remember meeting all the players on the bus. And I remember being super intimidated because they were, obviously I was only 15. There's a lot of 19, 20 year olds, a lot of tough guys, John Cordick, remember John Cordick? Sure do, he yeah. was a fight Wendell Clark three times a game. Uh, really good. Saw Jimmy Playfair was on, he was the assistant captain of the team. We, we fly to, we fly to, or sorry, we, we take the bus to Medicine Hat. We get in and I remember in warm up thinking, oh my God, these shots are hard. These shots, we, we didn't have the, the, the great equipment that we have yeah, now. Yeah, pucks hurt back then. Oh, did they ever, I was like, oh, I could, I've never felt pucks on my pads before. Like I've never felt them through my pads. I could feel them through my pad. Brian Curran was a, a guy at a heavy shot, one of their defensemen. 
And who else? Yeah, Ken Neely and Rock and Alfie Turcott, all these guys. And so we warm up and we come off. We're going on to start the game. I'm sitting on the bench. And remember, they told me, don't worry, you're not going to play. And the game's literally, literally 30 seconds, a minute into the game. And a player on Medicine Hat runs through our crease and runs over our goalie. And the goalie's Bruno. I think Bruno, he's a scout for Vegas now, Vegas Golden Knights, is lying on the ice. He's not getting up. He's just lying there. And I just remember, if someone asked me, when was the time when you were most scared in the life? Like, and I had four bear encounters last week. So uh, <laughs> I was walking in the trails. Uh, when was the time you were most scared in your life? I'm like, it was that time when I was just about to go in as a 15-year-old in the Western Hockey League. So Bruno's lying on the ice. The coach was Ken Hodge. Super intimidating. Nice guy now. But he was super intimidating. Big Coke bottle, like glasses. He looks over at me. He's like, Peter, get ready. You're going in. And I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't move. Like I was literally frozen, which is not a strong mindset to have. And (laughs) thus the reason why I do what I, what I do now. And I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm so scared. Like, I'm so scared at that point. I wanted to grab the mic from the PA guy and just say, if anyone in this building has goaltending experience, come on down to ice level. I'll give you my equipment. That's how, that's how freaked out I was. And I'm getting up. I'm, I got my, my mask on now, I, my glove, my blocker. I'm just going over the boards, like super slow, super slow, super slow. And boom, Bruno gets up. Didn't go in. But boy, was I scared and that hugely wrong, that situation as far as mindset. If I had the right mindset back then, if I was doing my visualizations, my morning routines, all that good stuff, as soon as Bruno went down, I would be like, great, this is opportunity. Let's go in. I can't wait to stop some pucks. Instead, I was visualizing every possible thing that could go wrong. Well, we'll we'll touch back on some of those things that maybe you could have done in a little bit because you've you've written for us on a number of those topics and they're, and they're great great advice for everybody. But let's just talk a little bit now about your Western League experience. You were a two-time MVP in the Western League, um, different times. We were looking up some of your stats just before this call. Pete goals against average over five, and you're the team MVP. <laughs> so uh, hockey was a little bit different in the '80s. Uh, Western Hockey League All-Star, you know, those are the goals every young kid strives for as, as they're heading into a junior career. Draft destined. So where's your mindset there? Let's first talk about your first time through the draft as a 17-year-old. How are you feeling? What are you doing? What's you working? Bet. It, and really, if you look back on my Western Hockey League career, I underperformed compared to what I should have done. I underperformed. So, so here's what happened. So 15-year-old, I get brought up three games. They send me back. I'm playing, playing well. And then as a 16-year-old, they had slotted me, Portland had slotted me to play in Summerland for the Buckaroos. I think they were the clone of Buckaroos and they were just moving to Summerland of the BC Hockey League. And so they said, you're going to play, you're going to play in Summerland this year. So, but you're, you're not going to go to camp there. You're, you're going to come to camp in Portland. And I don't know if they, they kind of did their camp together or something like that. And I remember dr- driving up to Portland in the summer that year with Ed Jones, was a great guy. He was a year older than me. And he was supposed to be one of the goalies in Portland that year. And then Ian Wood, who was drafted by Edmonton Oilers, was going to be the number one. And so I remember Eddie driving me to Portland this summer. We were going to do a little camp there and just saying, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be the other goalie this year. And then, 
the year after they, they'll 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 bring you up you'll be my backup goalie and yeah, I remember him talking like the whole way up there and the whole way back and I'm just thinking okay cool that, that that's great I go to training camp and when I go to training camp I was still recovering from an ankle injury what had happened in wrestling at school so I had to get taped up every ice time that training camp as a 16 year old so remember I'm supposed to go to Summerland training camp ends and the coach and the manager they, they say, hey, we want to talk to you. And they say, we're going to keep you. You're our guy. Wow. We're, 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 we're just, we're releasing Ed Jones or, or something like that. Whatever they said there. And I was like, wow, okay. And then they said, you're, you're not going to play very much. Like Ian's going to play the bulk of the games, but we want you. And, and I think it was because like, I was just, I would do whatever it took to stop the puck. Like I was, I was hungry to get in there. And I, did, I don't think I was the best technically, but I was just, I had this fire in me, like this fire to do whatever it took to stop the puck. So then the season starts and Ian Wood, the number one goalie, he struggles the first game, the first couple games, and they put me in in Kelowna. That's my first start against Kelowna on the road. And I win probably 5-4, 6-5, right? One of my lower goal scoring games. <laughs> <laughs> I played fairly well. And so they say, okay, we're going to start you. The next game is in Portland against Victoria, my hometown. Now, remember, Victoria, it was different back then. You didn't get drafted in the Western Hockey League. What happened was I got a letter from the Western Hockey League when I was 15, basically saying you have the option of choosing one of these four teams. One was Portland, one was Victoria, one was Kamloops, and I think one was Seattle or Regina. And Portland had kind of called and whined and dined me and stuff like that. And Victoria would have been a great option. Dave Andrews, who became the, the president of the American Hockey League for years, was the, was the coach in Victoria. And I just felt like Portland wanted me more. And so that's why I chose, that's why I chose Portland. Anyways, so the first game is at home. We're playing the Victoria Cougars. And Russ Cortnell is one of the, the players on the Victoria Cougars. He was kind of like the star back then. And Fear had, Fear had already gone. Darren Moran was one of, one of their, their goaltenders for Victoria. So we're playing Victoria at home. It's my first start at home in the Western Hockey League in Portland. There's like seven, 8,000 fans, stuff like that. And I play super well. They, they out, Victoria out shoots us like 47 to 30 or something like that. We win 7-3. I get first star. Russ Cortnell, who got all three goals for the Cougars, got second star. And I remember like being in headlines the next day and, and I won like four or five games in a row, four or five games in a row. And I was on fire and it was really strange back then the way they operated things. And I remember maybe I stopped working hard in practice or I started to develop a fixed mindset. And then I remember the coach saying, you know, you gotta, you gotta work harder, stuff like that. He had me like pushing nets after practice. I just, things like I just didn't understand, so to speak, but I'm sure it was because my work ethic was starting to go down. Maybe I didn't have the fire in me. And so the rest of that year, I still played fairly well. I played 39 games as a 16-year-old, which is a lot. I wasn't supposed to play very many. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of games I was on fire. I kind of, but, but I wasn't consistent. And, but at the end of the year, I was ranked in the top three goalies to go in the NHL draft the following year. So I, I'm ranked super, super high. Great season in the Western Hockey League go back home to my hometown of Victoria, hang out with my buddies who were not athletes. They were nice people, but they were not athletes. And my mindset changed from a, 
growth mindset of I'll do whatever it takes to stop the puck to, hey, I'm a star. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a star, but that was in my mind was mm-hmm. I'm a star. I was like, whatever, you have one half decent season in the, the Western Hockey League. And I remember uh, going on the ice, like summer skates and kind of half-assing it, so to speak. I think I'm allowed to say that word on here. TBC. And I was at that point, Donnie Meehan, who was, there was Alan Eagleson and Donnie Meehan. They were like the two biggest agents in the game. They were yep. both wanted to represent me. And I remember Donnie Mean flew out to my parents' house. He came, he flew out to Victoria to see Russ Cortnell and I. Wow. So he goes from my place and then he's going to Russ's place. I remember him saying, Russ is going on these summer skates with some other pros. Do you want to go? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going on the ice with my buddies. I'm fine. Oh no, Pete. Oh no, is right. Who you hang around with is who you become. I didn't know the importance of that. And so I'm, yeah. Anyway, so I go on these summer skates. I go back to Portland as a 17 year old supposed to be the number one guy that year supposed to be a high round draft pick i was not very good that year i only played 31 games in fact my mindset was so much in the wrong place that i played 31 games and i got 50 penalty minutes 50 as a goalie which a lot of people will think is kind of fun to see but it it doesn't say the right thing does it no your 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 focus your flashlight needs to be on the puck and the play, the puck and the play. So I didn't even get drafted that year. In fact, I was so bad that when you when you get in the GM's bad books in Portland, they trade you to Brandon. <laughs> okay. To Brandon. Oh. Darren will love that. <laughs> yes, yes. So at the end of the year, I get traded to Brandon. And and this was probably the lowest point. Like, and I was up and down mentally. And they, they did they did treat players differently back then. I think they treat them a lot better now in the Western Hockey League. But I remember we had this, this brawl and I didn't fight in this brawl. I, I just wasn't, wasn't into it. I didn't fight. And I remember after the coach just giving it to me, you got to fight. You got to do this. You got to da, 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 da. And so I'm like, okay, okay, I got to fight. I got to fight. So the next, next game we're, we're playing Seattle. First period, I'm behind the net. I play the puck. And there's a Seattle guy coming towards me. So I play it and then I just chop him. And I go, let's go as a goalie, right? What an idiot I was. So I go, let's go. So we start to fight and I didn't know how to fight. I never taken a fighting lesson. I'm a goaltender. And the guy just ends up on top of me. And fortunately I'm a goalie. So someone pulls him off and I get up from that. I get up from that. And there's another player standing there. Uh, so I grab him and now everyone on the ice is fighting. Everyone on the ice, six players. It's a six on six. So I grabbed, I grabbed the other player. We're, we're, we're skating around the ice. Now he's holding me on my shoulders. He's holding me on my shoulders. I'm, I have no idea how to fight. I'm holding him on the waist, like around the waist. And he's holding me up top in the shoulders. And my bench is looking at me and they're putting their hands up. Like they're, they're trying to tell me, put your hands up. And I thought they were telling me to fight. So I go to this, I, I go to this player. We better fight. That's what I say to him. And so he's like, okay. So he just starts teeing off on me. Meanwhile, I'm holding him around the waist. He ends up on top of me. Someone eventually pulls him off. I remember it's very uncomfortable having the jersey over the head. It's hard to breathe. So that's two. So I just lost two fights. Boom, boom. And then John Cordick, who was known to be the toughest in the league at the time. He was my defenseman. We sat beside each other for a year and a half. We just traded him to, guess where? Brandon, because he got in the GM's bad books. And they traded him right back to Seattle, right? So 
Cordick comes up to me then. He's like, let's, and I, by then I had picked up my blocker again and stuff. He's like, let's fight, let's go. And he, he's like, I dare you now. I dare you. And I'm like, I, I was like, why would he do that? We sat beside each other for a year and a half. So, so I actually hit him. I actually hit him with my blocker. I hit, I, I hit him with my blocker and he would have annihilated me. But before that's so like someone jumped in and he might've hit me once and someone jumped in and tore him up from that. I actually got suspended for two games for hitting him with my blocker okay. from, from that. Cause I'm just like, well, self-defense, right? It's John Cordick. <laughs> anyway, so that's three fights I lost. And then, and then I'm like, so tired. I wasn't in the best shape. I'm so tired. I'm like, I'm about to throw up. I'm so tired on the ice. And remember, I'm, I'm still 17. I'm like 170 pounds. The other goalie, Larry Dick, who's a 20 year old, he's like six foot one, six foot two, 230 pounds. He's like, let's go. He shakes his hands. Oh, no. I'm like, I know it was like a nightmare movie. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, okay, let's go. And boom, he just ends up just feeding me. Right. I'm like, I'm crazy stuff there. So as a 17 year old, I was terrible. I get traded to Brandon. I, I go to Brandon and I was really down. Like I was really down at that point. And in training camp, I remember finding out that a friend of mine who I'd driven to Portland with had just passed away. You got a skate in the neck, Jeff Butler. Oh no. uh, Yeah. And I remember just, I wasn't mentally strong back then. And I just called my dad. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. So my, my poor dad drove all the way to Brandon, picked me up, drove me back home. And, and I, I, I waited, I waited in and Brandon traded me to Spokane. Even Spokane, when they called, they're like, Hey, we, we want you, you're our guy. And they had a great team that year. They had Link Gates, right? <laughs> Nick Vakota, all those guys, really good team. And I'm just like, nah, I'll, I'll wait until I, I want to, I want to play in Victoria. Uh, so I was playing for the Sydney Capitals, which is Couch and Valley Capital, the, the BC Hockey League. And I played there for half a season. I played one game for Spokane when they came to Victoria. But if you think about it, I had, I had no clear picture of playing in the National Hockey League. My, my focus, my flashlight was on me and how tough it was and things like that, as opposed to if I had a clear picture of, hey, I want to be a National Hockey League goaltender, all of that stuff wouldn't have mattered. It, it just wouldn't have mattered. And so that's why I work so hard on that with guys right now, because that way they're, they're not going to feel sorry for themselves. They're just like, this is just part of the plan. This is just part of take a step back, take two steps forward, things like that. I, I love that because so many of us look back on our hockey careers and I'm air quoting my own because there isn't much of one, but we all have a, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. But instead of just living in regret, here you are looking for a way to help other people through what, what you went through. So, so let's just pull at that just a little bit as, as much as I wanted to go through all of it before, because it's sort of enticing to me. There's a lot of interesting things there from you weren't mentally prepared as a 15-year-old to I would get the feeling somewhere in the middle there, everything was great. I mean, you were, you were on track, you were on top of the world, and then that sort of derailed a little bit. And then here we are now hitting the low point in your career. And how do you balance that, you know, that need to have confidence and, and to really believe in yourself and yet to stay hungry and, and stay focused so that, that you can chase that dream? Because it sounds like you, you, you went between those two extremes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I was either, I was very, very high or very, very low. Right. And, and when I was very, very high, 
I wasn't putting in the effort. And when I was very, very low, sometimes I was too low to, to put in the effort. And I, I think number one, by, by understanding that through the actions you take, you can control, you can't control all the results, but you can control a lot of the results. And if you understand to focus on the controllables and you, you put the focus on that, then, you know, you can do things like, like I do with my clients, like making sure you have a clear picture of the NHL team you want to play on, even if you're not drafted yet. It, it just, it gives your brain and you work with that subconscious. So that would be one thing. Two is to get up and do the, the, the daily, the morning visualizations, all the mental controllables. Also just simple things like, like the, the smiling activities for mental health. Um, there's a lot, there, there's so much that goalies can do now on the mental side. And, and if they do that, they, they start to take back control of what's happening with, with their career. And then they're, and plus also having that athlete mindset as opposed to fan mindset. And once they understand that, you see, every time I did poorly, I was in the fan mindset for some reason. I was like looking at where am I in my career? Uh, this shouldn't have happened, all this stuff. And I was in that total, like looking at it from a fan perspective and then buying into that, reading what's in the papers, as opposed to just saying, let's have fun with this. What can I do today to move my goalie career forward? What, what are some actions that are controllable that I can go out and do? And, and once goalies start to do that, they start to build muscles for that and they start to move in the right direction. That's an important point, I think, that, that you're making here that I hope everybody's hearing. Now, the, the different things that you've touched on here, Pete, the, the morning routine, the athlete versus fan mindset, you got some great articles you wrote for us. Uh, if you're an InGoal member, you can, go, you can go check those out. We'll link them in the show notes. But, but I think one of the important things for people to hear in what you're saying is that it's a process, that it's work, that you have to, you have to work for this. I think so often, um, you know, whether we're a coach or we're a parent, we're wondering what that magic thing is that we can say that will fix everything in, in the moment. Our, our child's upset about a tough game, so if we say the right thing, everything will be good. Um, if, if we're a coach, we can motivate with that two-minute speech and everything will be good. But, but really, mindset training is just that. It's training. It's not, it's not a moment in time. It's an experience. Tell us about that. Tell us about being prepared for this whole experience you're going through. Well, I think if you look at it just like a skill, if you look at it just like a skill, like as a goalie, if you're going to develop your, your, your RVH or you're going to develop your, your blocker saves or you're, you're reading the play, uh, different skills, you have to look at confidence as a skill. You have to look at your, your belief in yourself as a skill. And by taking certain actions, just like you would for an RVH, you can build your confidence. You can build your, your, your mindset so that when you're going through situations that may not be the most fun to go through, it really depends on how you look at it. And it goes back to that whole, I don't know if it's a biblical saying or not, but the whole, the mind can make a heaven of a hell or a hell of a heaven, which basically says your mind can turn a situation and look at a situation that a lot of people will look at as terrible and say, Hey, this is great. But it can also look at a great situation and say, this is terrible. Almost like if it's like, I'll say to someone, uh, how's it going? They're like, Oh, lousy. It's raining out there. 
I said, well, it's pretty great if you love water. <laughs> it's just a different way of looking at things. And so I, I really think, and, and what, what I really try to work with my clients is, no matter what the situation is, how do you find the good? In, there's always a way to find good in that situation. And there's always a way to, to use this situation to leapfrog forward, to, to get better. Like the whole, I think mean, one of my programs, I, I tell like the donkey in the well story where the donkey falls down the well. And so the donkey's in the well and, and the farmer can't get the donkey out of the well. So he's like, you know, we, we have to bury the donkey. We're not getting him out of the well. We can't lift him up. So he calls the city or the uh, people around his community and they start shoveling dirt to bury the donkey. And you can hear the donkey crying and all that stuff as, as they're burying the donkey and they're, they're, they're getting the, the dirt's building up. They're, they're not looking down the well, but they just continue to dirt on the dirt over the donkey. And eventually the donkey's cry stop, right? Eventually the, the donkey's cry and they think the donkey has died. He can't breathe anymore. But what, it, what really happened is every time there's dirt shoveled on the donkey, he would kind of just shuffle it off and step up. Every you now dirt shoveled on, he would shake it off and step up. And eventually the donkey steps out of the well and runs on a freedom and everyone is all happy. I think we got to treat our goalie career like that because no matter how good someone is, no matter how good you are, there's going to be times when you get dirt shoveled on you. And you see that all the time. Even I've seen like, like the specials on Grant Fear, And you think, well, he was unbelievable. He was so good, but he had a lot of dirt shoveled on him. Even Gordy Howe, who is known as one of the play- greatest players in the game, he was treated like crap by some of these organizations out there. I think you have to realize that you're going to have dirt shoveled on you. How do you use it to take a step up? Let's talk about maybe some specific situations just because we've, we've talked, we've brought this up. How do, how do you deal as a goaltender with one of those practices where everything seems like it's set against you? There are nonstop flow drills that aren't like a game. The shots are coming from the bottom of the circle, not the top of the circle. You've been clanged in the dome 10 times in practice already. It's, just, it's, it's not your day. It's not your practice. What, what do you do? I just had that conversation with on one of my masterminds with uh, who's a Beck Warm, Zane McIntyre, and Carl Stankowski. And we, 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 we went over that exact question. And, and the whole question was, how do you take your training during the summer how do you take your training from now till when the season starts and make it so it's tougher for you? So it's tougher. And, and Beck, who's phenomenal. So, so Beck said, well, when I'm in, when I'm go out to more player skates where they're tougher on goalies, where they're not designed for goaltenders, because a lot of times goalies don't like that, but go out on those skates and embrace them. Like just embrace it. Love it. Find a way to say, how can I adjust this? So it's like a game and what in this drill can I get better on? So no matter what it is, and a lot of times goalies will complain, well, the guy's not going to get 20 seconds in a game in the slot. He's only going to get a second or two. Yeah, but if you can learn to deal with a player that has 20 seconds in the slot and stay with them, even if you end up not making the save, maybe you hold them off for 10 seconds. Well, think of how much better it's going to be in a game. I think you have to, I think the goalies have to look at those practices just like you're on a treadmill and you're on a treadmill where the speed is about a nine or a 10 and the incline is about a nine or a 10. And it's going to be uncomfortable at the time. But if you, if you ride it out and you stay on that treadmill compared to the goalie that's on a treadmill, that's about a one or a two incline and a one or two speed, your improvement is going to go up that much more, that much better. So I, I think 
goalies have to have that mindset of great. The tougher it is, the more non-goalie oriented it is, the more I'm going to embrace it. Then I'm just going to find a way. And, and that that's a skill in itself. How do I adjust this drill to make it like a game? And it, it, give you an example, Ed Belfort. When, when I was, I was, I was uh, later on in my career, I was University of Calgary. I was practicing with the Canadian national team. And the other goalie there was Ed Belfort. And we're doing this drill and it's a simple drill. And it is a game like drill where they had pucks on one face-off dot to the right and a player, and then a player on the left face-off dot. And Dave King, who was the, the coach of the, the national team at the time, was running the drill. And this was after practice. He kept Ed, Ed and I out there to do this. And I go in first. And even though with this was a drill like a game, I managed to take this drill and make it not like a game <laughs> without knowing it. So what would happen? I'd get set for the pass. The puck would be passed across. I'd explode across, make the save. As soon as I make the save, I'd go back to the start right away. Wait for that pass. I didn't want to disappoint them. Wait for that pass. Goes across. I go across. Boom. Make the save. And when I make the save, I wasn't even thinking of following the puck after. I was going thinking of going right back to the start and getting set again. I didn't want to mess up the drill. So I did that. And after five or six, I got a little bit more tired. I didn't stop as many pucks. And then I think the last three or four, I went in for about 10, last three or four, I didn't save. Then Belfour goes in and, you know, he gets really low and his butterfly in his stance and he waits for that pass. A pass goes across. He explodes across, makes a save. And after he makes a save, you see him follow the puck all the way and cover it up all the way to the end. And then he gets up and he doesn't rush back to the start like I did. He takes his time, kind of takes a breath, resets, just like they're about to drop the puck for another face-off, which is like a game. And he does that for 10 times in a row, stops every puck, fault tracks every rebound. And I ask him after, I go, don't, don't they get mad at you if you do that? He's like, no, he goes, the whole point is to practice like a game. And I was like, wow. Okay. That was a good, uh, that was a good lesson. That's a great lesson. He, totally. So, so anything the guys can do to, to work it into a game, the better. But you don't always have that opportunity to control the drill if it's a flow drill with guy after guy after guy. And I love the idea that you have to get something out of it. But I think we also have to maybe adjust our expectations because it's it's one thing to say, get what you can out of the drill. But you also can't expect that 95 save percentage in some of those drills. And that's okay, right? Yes, that, that that's the other thing too. A lot of goalies think, okay, if they're having a practice where because of the way the drills are set up, Instead of stopping nine out of 10, they're stopping one or, you know, they're stopping five or six out of 10, then you're right. They do need to adjust their expectations. And even though they're still attempting to stop the puck, if they don't stop it, it's like, okay, by, by doing this drill that, that I'm doing right now, by attempting to stop the puck, did I just get, get better? Am I getting better anyways? So that in a game, maybe the player will have a little bit of less time. And if I do something the same or similar, I'm going to come up with the save. So it's all right to go through drills where you're not stopping the puck. Sometimes you're doing, as long as you're doing whatever it takes to stop it, that's where I think the, the fine line is, right? There's some goalies who will practice and they'll almost give up. Like they'll, 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 they'll say, well, this drill isn't, isn't game-like and, and they'll almost give up on the drill. Process over result. Yes, exactly. So it's that whole like Carol Dweck's book mindset, 
if you, if you put the focus on effort and, and, and process and you still want, you want to stop the puck. You want to keep that picture there. But if you don't, it's like, okay, it, it's like, it's like the treadmill. It's like, I'm on that treadmill because it's a nine incline because it's a, a nine speed. I'm not running as fast as I want to run, but I'm actually getting faster. So to have that, have that type of mindset out there. So, so let's not gloss over the career here, Pete, because we left you in the lowest point of your career and then we transitioned yes. away from it. There, you think things got better from there. Um, you did eventually get drafted by, by the New Jersey Devils, but maybe you weren't even the best mindset when that happened. Tell us about that experience. Okay. So, so here, here's what happened there. So I'm in the lowest of low. I come back from Brandon and they trade me to Victoria. So I, so I finished off the season. I'm playing for Victoria as an 18 year old. And so now if you look at where it come from, from having a spectacular, well, a good season as a 16 year old being rank high and not getting drafted. Now I'm 18. I'm going to the Western hockey as a 19 year old. Something changed in my mindset at the start of that summer. I don't know if it was okay. This is it. I have to do something here. And I became hungry again. I had that growth mentality. I started to do it. Like I, before there were eye exercises, I was doing eye exercises. I had this book called Sports Vision. You can't find it today. And I would do all this near and far focusing and, and things to see the puck bigger, stuff like that. I, I, I was just doing whatever I, I can. I was, I was really working on my cardio that summer. And I go to training camp in Victoria. And it comes down to another goalie and I. His name was Mike Doyle. He was a good, he was a good goalie. I probably would have picked him over me. At a bit. He had a nice butterfly style and stuff. Took away a lot more than that. Was a lot more calm in the net and me. Like I'm all over the place. And and the coach Wayne Naka was a great guy. He says, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna split you guys the first say part of the season, the first ten games maybe. Whoever does better, we're gonna go with." I'm like okay. And I'm I I felt like I was giving it my all. The first ten games of the season go by. Mike is five and zero, oh, and I'm zero oh and five. Yet I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get down. Like I was, I felt like I was in the zone still. Like I had that mentality of I'm giving it everything. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. And I, I was playing against what I felt like some, some tougher, some of the tougher teams. I felt like I was playing against some of the tougher teams and maybe that was just the way that I play. Maybe I'd give up more rebounds and that was why. And so, so he thought he would, the coach thought he'd extend it a little bit more. And then that's when things changed. I ended up playing 54 games that year. And I think the other goalie only played 20 or something like that. Uh, and I, I, I had it back. I, I, I did well again. I got drafted that year to New, New Jersey. That's why I wear the hat now. That's why I wear, I wear the new, you'll, you'll see me wear the New Jersey Devils hat. I don't wear it because I got drafted by them. I wear the hat as it's my why. Because what happened when I got drafted by New Jersey, I had fallen back into the fan mindset. I had a really good year and I was in the athlete mindset. Now I went back in the fan mindset. I get the hockey news yearbook and I'm studying all the goalies on every team. And I had it in my mind. If Toronto drafts me, I can play there. If New York drafts me, I can play there. And then I have these teams that I'm not, they they have too many good goalies. I'm not going to play on. And New Jersey was one of them. And so when they drafted me, they had Sean Burke, Chris Terreri. Their number one were Sauve Chevrier, and they had uh, Craig Billington and Kirk McLean, who at, at the time were, were all really, really good goalies. So I thought, I don't have a chance. So my, my, my effort level went down. 
And coming off a season where I was phenomenal shape and all-star in the Western Hockey League, that summer, I, I remember Marshall Johnson calling me saying, welcome to the New Jersey Devils. Welcome to our organization. Look forward to seeing you in training camp. It's going to be awesome. Come on, work hard, have fun in training camp. We'll send you out the details. And I hung up the phone. I'm like, I don't have a chance. So it's just all mindset. I gave, like, it was all mindset. And I just started training camp the first day. Like, I get into training camp and I'm up in my room. And my roommate, they, they roomed me with Anders Carlson, who was one of the two Swedes on the team. And Anders Carlson is like, Pete, look at the roster, check out the roster. And I later, I later played against Anders Carlson in Sweden, over in Sweden there. And so I, I check out the roster and it's like, delete Sean Burke to the Canadian national team. This was 87, the Olympics were in 88. Delete Chris Drury to the US national team. And then it's delete Kirk McLean traded to Vancouver Canucks for the other Swede on the team, Patrick Sundstrom. And they didn't have enough goalies. They had three goalies plus myself, Frederick Chabot, who had to go back to junior or make the big team. And I think Dan Deliandos, uh, who I think he came from college, uh, was a good goalie. I think I was a few inches taller. Like, Anyways, all I had to do was work hard, have a good attitude, all the things, all the off-ice things that you need to bring to the game. And I didn't have them. I didn't have them. They, they eventually sent me down to Utica. I played an exhibition game against Hartford, and they sent me down to Utica the American Hockey League. And the only game I played well in Utica was our first exhibition game of the, of the season. We're playing against Rochester Americans in Utica. And in pregame skate in the morning, I broke my skate. I, I broke my, my skate broken. So they had to get me new skates. And I was supposed to start that night. I'm like, well, I can't play now. I got new skates. I'm, I'm not going to play. That was my, my mentality. And they're like, okay. Uh, and then like, Hey, guess what? Uh, this has never happened before, but Rochester's trainer forgot their goalie's equipment. So you're going to play for Rochester <laughs> oh, wow. tonight. Yeah. Darcy Walkluck. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Darcy Walkluck. And I forget who else was Rochester's goalie. So they were in the stand. So I played for Rochester. I remember Keith Gretzky was one of the players on there. Richard Hyde, a lot, lot, lot of really good guys. I, I stood on my head. We won three, two. I played phenomenal. <laughs> So the next night, the next night we're in Rochester and I start for Utica and I think I was pulled before the game was halfway through. I didn't make some saves through traffic and instead of battling, I kind of just put my hands in the air and, you know, as opposed to, to, to working, working through it anyway. So they eventually send me back to Victoria as an overage. And I remember Tom McVee, great guy. I, I was just uh, in Portland with him at the Winterhawks reunion this summer and Tom McVie, who was a coach, and I think he later coached in the National Hockey League as well, too, called me in his office. He's like, hey, we're going to send you to Victoria to you know, you know, play a year there. He was really just, he was cutting me. He was basically cutting me. And I just remember thinking, oh, great. I can't wait to get to Victoria. That's where my mindset was, as opposed to what I tell guys now. Like I got, I got clients now who they're, they're going to get, they'll, chances are they'll get drafted this year in the National Hockey League. Their mindset already is, I'm going to training camp to make the team. They're not even thinking about the draft. They don't care where they get drafted. Their, their mindset is I'm going to training camp to make the team. And, and the, the reason we do that is even if they don't make the team, the, their effort level, everything they do, what, what the, the team is going to see of them in training camp is going to be a lot higher than probably what the team's even going to expect. And so that's going to raise them in, in the rankings of the team that they get, that they get drafted by. So I get sent to Victoria's and overage 
and I'm back in my fixed mindset, back in my fixed mindset. Wade Flaherty, he and I were partners there in Victoria as, as a, with my overage year. And uh, he was a good guy, great goalie partner. He, he was just phenomenal. And uh, uh, so I'm back in Victoria. I just, I remember I had a part-time construction job. I thought I was cool. I was such an idiot. I thought I was cool. I would come to practice. I'd wear my hard hat to practice. <laughs> From, <laughs> I remember Wayne Nakasan. <laughs> I remember Wayne Nakasan. Do you even want to be a hockey player still? And, and, and so my mindset wasn't there. And a couple months into the season, I think a Ken Priestley and a couple other players on our team had NHL contracts. And so I called Marshall Johnson, the guy who had drafted me, and I said, Marshall, I go, can you guys sign me to a contract? I think I should have an, have an NHL contract. And uh, he's like, well, let, let me, I'll, I'll talk to, I think that's when they just hired, they just switched GMs from Max McNabb to Lou Lamorello. And he goes, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk, I'll talk to Lou Lamorello. And I go, okay, can you tell him to uh, sign me or release me? Because I think I should be under NHL contract. He's like, okay, I'll call you back. And uh, I still haven't heard back from him. Oh, jeez. Oh, Pete, we've, we've, we've done an awesome job setting up all the things you experienced that made you want to help goaltenders with the mindset. How did you make that transition? Because, you know, I've talked to countless guys who credit you with, with helping them through their career. Where'd you gain that? Like, wh- when did you, when did the, the, the switch flip for you and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to help other guys. Great, great, great question. I think a lot of things led to that. Uh, after, or even when I was still playing, I got a call from a guy named Dougie Cole, who was a, he was a great guy. He, he ran the goalie program at Okanagan hockey school. And so I went up there and, and I started working with goalies there and they would bring in different pros. Like Andy Moog was up there and, you know, Grant Fuhrer, guys like that. Uh, and so I started working with goalies at that point, more on the technical side. And then later on in my career, and this is really where the transition happened. I think I, I, I went to Sweden after I played two years, I, I went to University of Calgary for two years. We were number one in the country. My second year, we go to the frozen four to play. And I'm like, I'm making a comeback. I'm going to get an NHL tryout. I'm going to make a comeback. And uh, I blew my knee. I blow my knee. And I, I just, I blamed it on life and life is mean and stuff like that. As opposed to taking responsibility. And maybe I could have built my knee up or been in better shape. Uh, so I go down to the East coast league my mind was not in it when I went down there to, to play. And then, then they, then I get a contract to go play in Sweden. I did one in Sweden. So I go play in Sweden the next year, have a phenomenal year, have a great year. At least the first half of the year is really, really good. And then uh, I thought, okay, my next 10 years, I'm going to come to Sweden. They were, they were going to sign me for double as much as what I made the first year. I kind of had my next 10 years mapped out kind of when the economy crashed in Sweden, I got offers from a couple other teams for not as much. And my agent was like, just wait, your team's going to, you're, you're going to get double as much Just hold out, hold out, hold out. So I did, I held out, I held out, I held out. And then eventually my, my team couldn't even bring in an import because the economy had crashed there. And the other two teams had moved on in which in, in hindsight, I just wanted to play, right? I really didn't care about the, about the money. I just wanted to play. And so I remember that was kind of, when I said like the lowest point, this was even lower than the first point when I got that, that picture there, right? I was depressed. Like if someone, the definition of depressed, that would have been me back then. And I was like, this isn't right. And I remember I had a, a neighbor and we were living up in Shawnee and Lake at the time. My parents had moved to Shawnee and Lake. So I, I had a neighbor across the street, super nice lady. She, uh, uh, I think she was, she was a realtor, I think. And she was into all this personal development. She's like, Hey, you want to, 
here's a, you maybe tried this personal development program. So I remember going through it and listening to it. And I was like, oh my God, this stuff makes so much sense. And I almost became a personal development junkie at that point. I started going to all these different seminars uh, from anyone from uh, Tony Robbins to uh, Zig Ziglar, all these guys, like everyone, anyone you can think of or imagine uh, is I've, I've done the course or listened to it or gone through it. And I was like, okay, I need to apply this stuff to goalies. This, this was my missing ingredient when I was playing. This was it. It was the whole mental part of the game. And so I, I worked on bottling it up. And one of the first persons uh, that, that I started working with where I applied the mental skills was a guy named Rob Tallis. And he came off, if you look, if you look at me, well, I, like I was you know, drafted by New Jersey, uh, supposed to play, didn't play. Rob was undrafted as a 20-year-old. And I remember saying, Rob, we got to get a clear picture of, you want to play in the NHL? He's like, yeah, if I could, I would want to. Okay, let's get that clear picture. Who do you want to play with? He's like, what? What do you mean? Who do I want? Boston. You want to play with Boston? Okay, great. Get a picture of you and playing on the Boston Bruins and and take a look at it. Great. Okay. And he's a 20-year-old, nowhere to play the next year. And it's like, okay, you got to get a tryout. You have to get a trial. Let's say, I, I set up a meeting with my old player agent. One, one, one of my players, I went through a few, right? When, you, when, you're, when you're underperforming, you, you usually go through a few different player agents. So I set up a meeting with one of my player agents. We're like, we want, we've got to get Rob a trial to the NHL. In fact, he wants to go to Boston. And the guy's like, okay, I'll call Boston. I'll call some other teams. Comes back a couple of days later, says, no, no, I tried Boston. I tried other teams. You're not going to get a trial. Go, go play CIS hockey, which is, by the way, CIS is a great league or your youth sports sure Canada. Is. But, it, but at that point, at that time, it wasn't, it was, it was still good, but different. So we're like, um, nope, forget it, forget it. Uh, and the next day, the agent comes in my office, just he and I, and he points to this personal development book that he had. He goes, that stuff is BS. What are you doing? Feeding this kid's head with all these false dreams, stuff like that. Anyways, I'm like, Rob, you got to call yourself, man. You got to call some teams. So, and this is why it's so important to have great relationships with GMs on your team when you're playing in the Western Hockey League. Russ Farwell, the GM for Seattle. So he calls Russ. And, and Rob was, Rob, you, you've had him on here. I think he's the nicest guy ever. Calls Russ Farwell. Russ gets him to try out to Boston. Gets him to try out to Boston. He goes, you got to try out to Boston. This is the NHL strike. This is the NHL strike. And so, so he calls him and he says, by the way, because they, they weren't flying guys to training camp, which is what they would do back then because the NHL strike. He said, I got you a plane ticket. It's only one way. Right? Because Rob didn't have a lot of funds. So Russ Farwell, like, what a great guy. Wow. Got Rob a trout to Boston. Had a, he had a good relationship with Harry Sinnon, I guess. And boom. Anyways, so I remember us doing, like, I remember working and doing, like, the self-confidence anchoring with them. All, like, a lot of different key mental stuff. And so I started to see how that works. But... And I had a training center at the time and I would do players and I would do goalies. And then I, I put the focus more on the business side as opposed to really working with guys on the, 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 the mental side of the game for a while. So I basically took a sabbatical from it for a while, even though I would work with the odd guy. And then about five years ago, I think it was five years ago, uh, Eli, Eli Wilson, who was, he was one of the earlier goaltenders that I had trained. On the uh, technical side, I think there was him, there was Mike Valley and, and, and Robbie, Robbie Tallis. And Eli is like, hey, do you want to come speak at one of my camps and do a, do a seminar on maybe the mental part or something like that? I'm like, okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. And, and I did it. I'm like, 
God, I was kind of made to do this. I feel like I was made to do this. And so, you know, I spoke at Eli's camps for a while there and Eli's a fantastic guy, really, really good goalie coach. And, uh, and that's when I just, now it's, that's what I do. Fantastic. And, and as I said, a lot of guys have, have really, um, spoken to us about the impact you've had on them. One of the things for me that I take away from this, despite all the times we've, we've spoken, I got a little bit more out of this conversation, Pete, is, is that mental training is not a quick fix. It's, it's a process, just like your technical training, just like your physical training. Um, so, so maybe it's a little tougher to, to answer in that context, but what's the biggest mistake a goaltender makes in their mental game? Here's a quick story on that, which will say what the biggest mis- mistake is talking to a goaltender like I'm normally I'm like I'll talk to a guy for the first time and I'll say what do you do on the mental side do you work on the mental side of the game and he's like yeah I go what do you what do you do he goes well before games I visualize I'll visualize before games I go okay what else he goes that's what I do I have to work on the mental side of the game I go okay uh what percentage of your success is is mental what would you say he's like well maybe 90 percent I'm like okay great I go skate is skating important too he's like yeah yeah skating because the goalie is very important I go how often do you work on that he's like well Every time I go on the ice. Okay. So almost every day you're working on your skating and before games, you work on the mental part of the game. I go, forget that. Don't work on your skating every day. Just work on it and warm up. And he'll be like, what are you talking about? Are you nuts? I'm like, well, that you're telling me the mental part is so important, but you only do it before the game. You have to treat it just like you're skating. You got to treat it just like a skill. It is a skill and you got to treat it like a, like a skill and you got to work on it consistently. What can a goalie coach do to support their athlete's mindset then? Couple things. Number one, I would say language. This is something every goalie coach can do because the brain thinks in pictures. So a lot of time a coach will say, well, you got scored on four times today, or when you're in today's game, make sure you don't let anything in. And so they, they're using, they're using words, which will make the goaltender nervous or make the goalie have anxiety without even knowing that they are doing it. You want to talk in terms of what you want. So I always say to goalie coaches, when you're talking to your goaltenders, use positive language. That's something you can start doing right away. For example, just say, stop the puck, make the save. And if you're reviewing a game and you're reviewing some saves not made, say that. Do not say goal scored. Because every time you hear the word goal scored, the pitcher in the head is a puck going in the net. And so just picture, just say saves not made, saves not made when you're doing that. So that that's one thing is the language is the language that you can implement. The second thing is what routines do your goalies have where they're working on the mental part of the game? Are they implementing visualization and, and not just doing it before games, but doing visualization every, every game. Uh, pre I know on the, the goalie mindset Academy that I have, there's a pre-practice journal that they go on and they will write down a skill they want to get better at. Then they'll run the movie. They'll visualize it. And then after practice, they will go through and say, what were my successes in practice? So they're, they're imagining what they did well. And then they are marking off, where was my concentration level in practice on a scale of one to 10? 
What about my hype level? What about my flashlight or focus on the puck and the play? And, and so they're, they're, they're tracking the practice just like a game. And then what will happen, it'll actually give them the data so they can say, okay, for my 50 practices I had here, at 80% of them, I was an 8 out of 10 in confidence, which is good, yet I need to be a 10 out of 10 in a game. So I got to work on getting there in, in practice. So I would say by having those by having those routines, and the reason for that is the whole University of Chicago study, the 23% rule where they took a group of basketball players and they said, you're not going to touch a basketball or go near a basketball court for 30 days. You're just going to visualize getting three throws in. And after 30 days, they improved 23%. If a goalie coach can understand that and start to work that into everything they do, they will, their results will be better, will continue to get better. How do I work and implement the 23% rule in everything I do? So if it's before practice, are you visualizing before practice? After practice, when you're waiting to go in the net, are you imagining it? And, and focusing on things like that, I had a, a goalie coach, I think Kerry Price's goalie coach in the Western Hockey League, uh, Ron, I think his name was Ron. And Ron this is when he was in Tri-City, Ron V, yeah, in Tri-Cities. I was speaking to a group of bronze goalies and I was talking about the 23% rule. He's like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. He said, when I was coaching Kerry Price in Tri-Cities, after we, we'd lose a game 5-4, 7-5, normally I ask a goalie, how'd you do? And the goalie would be like, terrible. And he'd talk about all the, all the saves he didn't make or goals scored on him, I guess, is, is, is how, the, how they would phrase it. And he said, Carey Price was different. I would ask him, how'd you think you do? And he'd say, well, I made this great glove save, made this breakaway save. And, and Ron's like, so I guess Carey Price was applying the 23% rule. He may not even know when he was doing it. Whereas... Like I can remember me playing, I, I, I'd stop 40 of 41 shots and I'd be like, why did I let that one in? And I'd be replaying it again and again in my head, right? So I, I was applying and a lot of goalies apply the negative 23% rule. So that would be the one thing, apply the 23% rule. That's, that's fantastic. And it makes me think, you know, as so often I think as parents, uh, a lot of what our kids learn obviously is from us. And we, we talk about how you know, every kid is artistic when they're first born. Every kid is confident when they're when they're first born. Every kid is curious, and then, and then we, whether it's parents, schools, friends, we we find a way to coach it out of them. And uh, I I remember thinking back now, Pete, uh, to being at a game in Victoria when my son was maybe five or six years old against the the powerful Victoria Racquet Club, where your buddy Jeff Compton coaches, and and. My son wasn't a goalie that day. Another kid wanted to jump in for the first time, I think. And we got absolutely destroyed. It must have been 60, 70 shots against this poor kid. I, I couldn't tell you how many goals. He came off the ice and his dad said, how you feeling? He said, did you see that glove save I made? I, I mean, it. it was just, it was so perfect. And, and I, I don't know if he still plays goal or not, but, uh, but somewhere along the way, and, and I'm guilty of this as a coach too, Pete, even though I know as a teacher, we want to catch kids being good because that's what they'll do again and again and again for us. We're, we're in this mindset, often when you only get to coach at a, at a team practice as opposed to a dedicated goalie session, you've only got that 30 seconds between drills to hop in there and tell a kid, here's what I saw. And often it's, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, you're not doing this right, instead of, wow, I just love when you, and then let's focus on, on, on the rep that they got it right so that they'll, they'll keep doing it. Yes. And, and the other thing too, is sometimes you just got, I know Eli's really good at this is just let them go in there and stop the puck, say the odd word 
but yeah, yeah. Sometimes coaches will just, they'll, they'll, they'll say too much. And then the mind's everywhere as opposed to, because the, if you have a clear picture of the result you want, the brain and the body will do whatever it takes to find a way to get that result. How about, so, so, I mean, we touched on parents there. I touched on parents there because I think we don't necessarily support our kids the best way we should first, but before we go to that, cause I know everybody asks about what parents can say to their kids before that, what do you say to parents who say, I'm never going to let my kid be a goaltender. And, and yes, it might be the cost. Yes. It might be fear of them getting hurt, but quite often it's, I don't want my poor kid being in there when the game is on the line. Um, what do you, what do you say to parents? I would say they, if that's something they truly want to do, let them do it. And it's all on where our mind goes. It's all on. If you just focus on the controllables, if you're, if your son or daughter is a goaltender, just put the focus on the controllables, help your son or daughter learn to put their focus on the controllables then it's all right. It's, it's when the mind goes to the uncontrollable and stay out of the fan mindset. So for one quick tip for parents, I, I, I dare every parent to try this. Watch a hockey game. Like if you're watching the playoffs right now, I think it's, is it Montreal is playing tonight? Or they play tonight, I think. Watch the game with no volume. Notice how much more peaceful it is. I tell I, like, like back Zane, all the, all of my clients, I I'm like, Watch the game with you want to stay in the athlete mindset. You want to stay out of the fan mindset. As soon as you watch the game with volume, you are pulled into the fan mindset because that's the job. Like the best announcers draw people into the fan mindset. That's their whole job. And you want to keep your mind out of that. So if you if you can apply that when you're watching your 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 goalie play goal, just remain in the athlete mindset. You can't, you can't control what's happening out there, but you can control how you respond to it and what you say to them after. And, and if you, if as a parent, you just take that 23% rule, no matter what happens in a game, no matter what happens in a game, let them know one or two things they did well. And if they want to talk about things they can get better at, let them talk about it. But I remember uh, Carrie Price's dad, Jer- Jerry Price, telling, telling me when I, we were, we were speaking to a group at the Carrie Price day uh, up in uh, Eli's uh, camp there. And I asked Jerry, what do you say to Kerry uh, after a game? And he goes, if, if it wasn't a good game, I, I won't even bring it up. I won't even bring it up. If he wants to talk about it, I'll talk about it with him. You know, I just put the focus on, and I think if parents put the focus on building the love for the game, build the love for the game, build the love for playing goals. So it's, it's all on, where the thoughts go to. And if the thoughts go to, oh, my, my kid is, you know, he's, he, he's going to be the hero or the goat. Mm-hmm. But if, if, he, if he treats it the right way, it's going to be beneficial for him in life because he's in those types of situations. And it's going to train him not just for goaltending, but for life to be in those high pressure situations and not really treat it like it's high pressure. Just focus on what you can control. I think that's fantastic, Pete. That's a probably a good way for us to to end this before we we take an extra couple of hours because I know the two of us could talk goaltending and mindset absolutely forever. And I hope you'll come back and do that again. Again, what we're we're going to link in the show notes. There's some fantastic articles you've written for in goal members, uh, athlete versus fan mindset, as you talked about. 
Um, one thing that we didn't touch on quite as much, but uh, if there's one thing as a goalie you can do, I think your 10-minute morning mindset routine, which which you've also written about for us. But if if people want to know a little bit more beyond that about working with you, how do they reach you? What should they be looking at doing? Tell us about Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, a little bit. Yeah, I, I would say uh, like I have a website called pfmindset.com. It's just getting updated and stuff like that. So just the uh, initials PF then mindset.com uh, or you can go U of mind, U O F M I N D.com. All, all my programs are on there. I, I really recommend the goalie mindset Academy uh, and the, like a lot of the pros I work with and the major junior guys, we're all going through the 30 day goalie mindset power program in the summer. That's a great one for, for goalies as well to, to expand their mind uh, as, as a goaltender. So those are the two key programs I would say. Uh, there, there is uh, the book Goalie Mindset Secrets, and I'm, I'm working on another one too uh, to hopefully be released in the next couple months as well too. Fantastic. And, and of course, we'll share links to all of that. You know, as you brought up the groups you're working with, uh, I, I'm going to pull a Woodley here and go one more question. Yes. And, and first off, just credit to you, Pete. I think we've probably mentioned this before, but at the beginning of this, of this pandemic, of the, the COVID shutdowns, uh, you put together your online training group where goalies could come together every day to do some of their concentration exercises and other work. And, and I know for, for my son, that was a really important group because it gave him, when you couldn't be with teammates and classmates and so on, it gave him a group to work with. And that's still ongoing. Um, that, that building of goaltending community is so important and credit to you, Pete. But one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of all of that, I remember, is we're going to come out of this there's a light at the end of a tunnel. How have you used this time so that you're ready when we come out of it? Here we are and uh, touch wood, we are coming out of it now and people are getting back on the ice and tryouts are happening uh, as we speak. Uh, a little bit of advice to, uh, to goaltenders now as, as we head back to the ice, how to approach that. And, and maybe, maybe you didn't do as much as you, you hoped you would have over the last year, but that's behind us. What are you going to do going forward? In, as we head back to the ice to, to maximize your every opportunity and maximize your experience in the game? Apply, just, just like with coaches, I would say with goalies, really apply the 23% rule. Apply the 23. If, if guys can hop on these concentration games that we do, like we do these concentration games, and, and the reason we do them is to help them learn to concentrate in a game, but treat it so when the games, when we do these segments in the concentration game where you like a five-minute game, and then, then it stops. It's just like the whistle going on the ice. And we want the goalies to learn to every time the whistle goes, treat it the same. It doesn't matter if your team got a penalty, you didn't come up with a save, your, your team got one. It's got to be the, just the same every time. And then you're just resetting and prepping for the puck to be dropped. So I, I would say apply the 23% rule. The night before, the night before your game, run the movie. The night before your practice, run the movie. After practice, yeah, you have to, especially for players that are in Ontario, players that are in, I think, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and maybe they were, they were kept off the ice the most. I think it's not that bad in, in the U.S. A lot of players still have been able to, to go on the ice, but I think a lot, uh, a lot in Canada, I really think you need to use the, the mental part, the visualization as much as possible here to bridge the gap when you return to play. It, it's not that bad. So you, you, you took a year off. 
you, you didn't play for a year and maybe you didn't do as much as you thought you should have done. Look at that as you just had a long break, like, and did that build your love? Is your, is your love for playing goal higher now than what it was a year ago? If it is, that's great. Cause you remember Hutch back in the day where every time the season ended, you didn't, you put your skates away. You were playing baseball. Yeah. And then you couldn't wait for the hockey season to start. Right. Sometimes that's taken out of the game now. And maybe, maybe you look at what happened as a good thing. It's not what happened. It's what we make of what happened. So if we look at this break, we had as that's great. Now I'm hungrier than ever to go on the ice. And maybe the guys that were on the ice the whole time, they're not going to be as hungry as me. And you know, it's not the, what do they say? It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And so if you can look at this where your fight has gotten stronger and, and better, then I think you're going to be fine. Fantastic. Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy. Thank you so much for joining us on the In Goal Radio podcast. Everybody's going to enjoy Lots of great content that we have up there already from you and lots more that's coming down the pipe. We really appreciate everything you're doing for the goaltenders out there, Pete. Thanks, Hutch. Anytime. Great. I'm just glad you finally asked me on. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy, Pete. Okay. Have a good one. Thanks, Pete. Uh, and uh, yeah, I connected with Kelly Hitchens uh, after uh, listening to that. And uh, Kelly was a hero of mine, goaltender with Brandon Wheat Kings, and then uh, went to the Medicine Hat Tigers and backed up uh, for one of their Memorial Cups and then looped back uh, to the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, and was a mentor for Trevor Kidd uh, when he broke in. So there was a lot of names. Uh, Artie Fair, who uh, I did some goalie school work. There was, it was so much fun making that part of a, an interactive as I listen to the interview and going through hockey DB and Pete Fry is a guy, if you don't learn something from that, like just take something mentally from that on the approach of the game, uh, Woody, uh, then you're not listening close enough. Well, I mean, if, <laughs> let's be honest guys, when it comes to the mental part of the game, I'm, I'm it's a bit of a struggle for me. So, uh, I will practice. take all the help I can get. Yeah. And, yeah, and practice and Pete is, uh, Pete, Pete can help with that. So I'm on it. I'm on it. And if you want to get on it, Let's not forget that it's not just the interview. Pete's been one of our regular contributors at Ingle Premium, uh, articles uh, on how to improve your mindset when it comes to goaltending. How many are up there, Hutch? We've got a bunch of mental game articles with Pete. And I, I think we should point out too, it's not just us. Like, Who have we heard from? We talked about Jeff Glass last week and uh, the impact that Pete had on his game. Um, Beck Warm um, will Dylan tell Ferguson. you that Pete major turnaround for him going i mean back at, i'm just looking at beck's trajectory like all, how long he waited in junior to get an opportunity and now in the first year pro he goes like on a tear in chicago in the ahl gets some time on the taxi squad in the nhl as a first year pro like you talk about practice and preparation you need to have the right mindset to get thrown into the deep end like that and succeed and Beck will be the first guy to tell you that Pete's armed him with a lot of those tools. So uh, we've heard it from pros at all levels. Uh, it can benefit you. And a lot of that advice is on online right now at ingolmag.com. And Dylan Ferguson, who you just chimed in with, worked with Pete uh, in the uh, Kelly Cup final uh, in the ECHL with the Fort Wayne Comets. So a great success uh, for Dylan Ferguson this year. Right on Fergie. And Fergie's joined a lot of the webinars that Pete's done both uh, for his training group and and with Ingle and has always been uh, fantastic with all of our young readers and listeners.
Is there anything you didn't know, Hutch, when you when you talk to Pete that you that you learned from that? You, you know him so well. You know, I think for me, it's creating some simple routines around all of these things, and at the same time, making them concrete. So, one article that most recently went up was a ten minute morning routine for success. Uh, really boiling it down to a few things you can do to begin your day. And as Woody mentioned, putting away the tech was one of them. Um, you know, he always talks about having a crystal clear picture and the Jeff Glass story of how that picture took him to the NHL in, in 27 days uh, was remarkable. Every young goaltender has a picture, but I would suggest it's probably a fuzzy picture. It's a little bit of hope. I hope one day I'll play in the NHL. I hope one day I'll play for my local junior team. But Pete boils that down to having a crystal clear picture of what that looks like and the roadmap to get there. Uh, it Hope doesn't get you very far, but uh, a roadmap gets you a long way. So Pete, with all of his different uh, training tools, really helps young goaltenders. And yeah, that's what I took away the most, Darren. Isn't that interesting? Just simplifying the path and giving you uh, a segment to work on. And you don't have to cover it all at, at once, but you should know sort of what direction you're heading in and and going in circles or up, down, left, right, center, when you're supposed to be going northeast uh, is is not uh, the best best route. And you made a really good point there about just take some small steps, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it doesn't have to be everything all at once. Um, how far can you get if you take some small steps? If you spend 10 minutes a day, but you really commit to those 10 minutes of improving your mindset, uh, that's that's a lot of hours over 365 days. Woody was a math major in university. He can do the work for us, but carry the two. Take a step. Take a step. Yeah. Take a step and, and make a difference, but be consistent about it. If you want more from Pete Fry, uh, log on to ingolmag.com and uh, check it out. Uh, premium uh, members have all kinds of access to some really incredible uh, approaches to helping out the uh, the mind uh, side of it. And uh, we've got a lot going on at uh, at Ingle uh, right now and uh, a lot going on at Ingle Radio, the podcast, uh, Woody. Lots of interviews coming up. Uh, IngleMag.com as well. I forgot, like a lot of focus on the playoffs right now. Carey Price um, sort of sparked us to revisit a lot of our sessions from the day with Price uh, that, that Eli Wilson put on a lot of the video that we have in the archives from five years of attending that camp. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. We, we hadn't pulled all the little tidbits out of there yet. There's some great tips from Carrie that we've shared at ingolmag.com in the past couple of weeks. And we'll continue to share a lot of it is him working with kids. And it's really remarkable to see the same little keys and elements that are a part of his foundation right up to this, right up to right now, 14 years into an NHL career. The same little things that he does on the big stage of the NHL semifinals are the same advice he's giving to these nine and 10 year olds. And coming up this week, we've got one with a beer leaguer um, who attended the camp that we're going to roll out as well in terms of post save recovery and, and how to get everything organized to make a good, efficient push. So keep an eye on that. Um, lots coming there. And then on the podcast, uh, we've got some great interviews. Jack LaFontaine. Uh, is coming up the uh, Mike Richter Award winner in the next couple of weeks. I haven't decided the order yet. Depends on how these interviews get sorted. Uh, Brad Thiessen, who just took a job uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets as their goaltending uh, development director after ending his career in the AHL just a couple of months ago. We'll talk to him. Working on Brian Elliott. You heard Jeff Glass talk about the unique way Brian Elliott 
played the game coming out of college and the transformation he went through. We're going to have a chance to talk to Els here in the next couple of weeks. So lots of great stuff coming uh, over the next two or three weeks here at Ingold Radio, the podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. Yeah, plenty on the horizon as we go from uh, the frying pan uh, into the fire of Ingold Radio, the podcast. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, Pete Fry was awesome. Cam over at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Source for Sports Surrey continues to get it done. And uh, of course, you, the listener, uh, really appreciate it. And uh, good luck and uh, good goaltending. Be well, everyone.